The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Alexandre Tanay is a musician, educator, composer, and ethnomusicologist. He is also the principal founder of the Resident Mind Collective. He holds a Bachelor of Music with a double major in Music Theory and Composition and a Master of Arts degree in Music Education from Columbia University Teachers College. To find out more about Alexandre, please visit his website, soundmeditation.com. That's S-O-U-N-D-M-E-D-I-T-A-T-I-O-N.com. Alexandre, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? I'm doing very well. How about you, Pete? Really, really well. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because music is something that I love. And I was watching the recent series of Psychedelica from our good friend Ben Stewart, and you feature prominently in this series, uh, series two. And I was, and my wife was also fascinated with your, your wisdom, but also your energy and the way in which you can share your knowledge in such a, uh, a beautiful and simple way, because I feel like there's going to be some, uh, some magic that we're going to create today. Uh, well, that I can receive and our listeners and viewers can receive and that you can educate them and share with them what you've learned over, over these decades in your studies around the world when it comes to music and how we can use this to 
deal with what's happening around us <laughs> at any point in time. So I want to start off by asking you the first question, which is what is a ethnomusicologist? Because <laughs> I've never heard that word before. Um, an ethnomusicologist is someone who studies music as a sociocultural phenomenon. And the ultimate goal is to better understand human beings by studying culture through music. So, as you know, as everyone knows, music is such an indispensable art form. It's everywhere. It's in the sacred, in the religious, in the spiritual, in the shamanic realms. It's in weddings, funerals, parties, department stores, films, commercials. Everywhere you go, there's always music. So uh, it's the most accessible art form. People who know a lot about music love music, and people who don't know anything about music love it. Uh, it's fair to say it's the most accessible, most popular art. Not everybody goes to museums and art galleries and poetry readings and dance performances and etc. different forms of art. But everybody listens to music, whether they know so much about it, whether they know what's going on in the music, especially in abstruse forms of music such as classical music, jazz, and progressive rock, and so on and so forth. Pop music, some of it is beautiful, some is superfluous, but um, it's, for the most part, music uh, composed in a simplistic way so that everyone can appreciate it, hence the name popular. But if you were to try to listen to Indian classical music, your level of appreciation is going to be limited until you know what's going on in the music so you can follow same with, uh, let's say, art rock, progressive rock, or jazz. Take jazz, for example. A lot of people don't like jazz because they don't know what to make out of it. When you start to explain to them things connected to what's going on in a jazz piece, uh, the theme is played and then improvisation by different instruments on the theme, melody, and especially the chords. If you explain extended jazz harmony, concepts such as swing, uh, blue scale, and um, all of these things and the role of the instruments, the horn section instruments and the rhythm section instruments, then the person starts to get it. So uh, we study human behavior through music and what is its significance? What is the point of playing music? How does it affect people? Who listens to it? How are people changed when they listen to music? So it's kind of like anthropology of music. Where a lot of our training is from anthropology. One has to be a musician has studied at least an undergrad or graduate school. Um, one needs to be sensible to understanding music and to be able to work with people to gather data in field work or uh, various forms of data acquisition and, uh, and then analyze the data and understand what's going on in uh, human behavior. But the biggest question in ethnomusicology is why human being is musical. What is the point? Which is something that I uh, dabbled with, uh, grappled with a lot, and, and uh, dabbled is, I'm still dabbling, even though I've gone deep into this and been in music all my life and still dabbling. There's so much to know about music and sound. Um, something that I've always wondered, what, what, what is the answer for that question? And uh, all the years that I've studied, I, I've done music studies over 12 years at the university. I did four different degrees. It's still an enigma. Uh, that this is one of the many things that caused me to start this independent study on sound, on the therapeutic and esoteric properties of sound. Um, it's been 21 years now, and now I'm getting to understand 
why is a human being musical? But it's not stuff that was easy for me to fathom. It's not stuff that they teach at universities, even big universities. I, I did my studies at Columbia University, which is considered to be Ivy League school. But um, there's still a lot of uh, unknown when it comes to music and its impact on consciousness. But it's a very, very powerful tool for a variety of different reasons that we can talk about some of them. When you say that human beings are musical, what do you mean? Musical in the sense that they desire music. They, they, are, they vibrate sympathetically with music. They seek music. To me, that's also musicality, not just playing. Playing is another faculty. But being resonant with music, um, music being something, an art form that appeals to people, it is true. Do you know a person who doesn't listen to music or doesn't care about music? I haven't met one. No. Everybody. It was really interesting because we've just started a wellness retreat and we had our second weekend together. Uh, this previous weekend, and one of the one of the gifts that we offer our guests is singing, and we have a wonderful husband and wife uh, duo that come and do ancient mantra singing, but they've created their own music style through it, mm-hmm. and they play instruments. He, uh, they're called Lulu and Mishka. Uh, Mishka plays the guitar and other instruments. Lulu plays many instruments and they both sing and they encourage the guests to partake if they choose to. And what I found fascinating for myself is one of my great fears was singing. (laughs) I'm, I'm working through that. But every time I've sat in their presence, within about 30 seconds of them singing, I cry. I just, mm. I just break down, not uncontrollably, but just tears flow. And it's happened now th- three times in their presence, and I've only listened to them play live three times, and each time mm. within thirty seconds, tears start rolling. And it is such a powerful experience for me. It hasn't happened with any other music, with any other performance with anything else. So I'm fascinated by this experience that I'm going through. And I would love for you to be able to talk about the, the, I don't know, we even know whether the word healing is the right terminology, but our connection to music and how powerful it can be and what you've learned from the ritualistic, from the shamanic, from the psychedelic, from the religious aspects of this and why it is so impactful for us at certain times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> these are good questions. Uh, music impacts us in a variety of different ways and it is in the indispensable as I said earlier, for a variety of different reasons. Um, at the end, when, when you're working with music, whether in a live situation or in recorded, you're dealing with acoustics. Acoustics is a branch in physics that is focused on the study of sound and vibration. And it's a very complex field. Even acousticians tell you that we don't know everything that we need to know. Sound behaves in the most unfathomable way, in the most abstruse way. It's a, it's a dimension by itself. 
So it's no wonder why music is really powerful. Um, we can probably talk about, if you're interested in about the, the discoveries about how sound is appearing to be the real medicine of the future. Um, so uh, it doesn't have a limitation to just an art form. But we listen to music and play it in different contexts, the spiritual, the religious, uh, the shamanic, the traditional ceremonies for healing, trance, possession, you name it. So it's customizable because it changes the way we are. It impacts how we are being and it brings awareness to a different way of being. This process is called entrainment. Entrainment is, let's say, when we were both sitting in, in the same room or both listening to the same music, let's say rock and roll or fast driving rhythms. After a while, one of us or both of us are going to start doing this, nodding our head, tapping the hand, the feet. If we're in the right setting, we get up and dance. That's entrainment. You are being exposed to something that is modifying your inner functions, your brainwave cycles, the heart rate variability, the vagus nerve, the neurochemistry. Who knows what's happening on subtle energy level, whether the chakra vortices and, and kundalini and uh, chi, prana. So a lot is happening on all of these levels. And that's why music starts to, and especially if you're paying attention, starts to modify the way you are in training you positively. And depends on what kind of pieces are being played, you will be entrained accordingly. If you're listening to um, music that is for introspection, uh, like Indian classical music, music for meditation, you're going to feel like you want to go inwards. Certainly, you're not going to get up and dance. If you listen to music with specific driving rhythms, specific at specific tempo, you're going to get up and dance, and so on and so forth. So if you listen listen to heavy metal or death metal, the adrenaline is going to go out. That's if you can withstand it. It depends on not only your taste, but also knowledge, because the two of them are connected. So is it just healing, as you asked? It's not just healing. We get from music a variety of different things. People tend to pick healing as the first thing that comes to their mind, but it's getting some therapeutic experience, healing, rehabilitation, education, regeneration, rejuvenation, resetting and reconditioning the subtle energy in the body. And it depends on the context if the person is listening to music to go inwards, to establish a meditative, contemplative, introspective state, uh, then one would need to tweak things to control the environment so that there's less noise, um, less uh, funky smells and uh, no bright lights and lie down possibly and definitely close the eyes if not wearing an eye mask to create the right conditions to go inwards. That's not needed if we're in a, in a place where there's a party. So we need to work with whether, whatever the music is uh, providing for us to create the right setting and to definitely adjust the mindset to create the feeling of presence. The mindset is not only intentions as people uh, think it is. Mindset is often abbreviated as set, like in set and setting. Mindset to me, after having studied these things thoroughly and worked with so many people, and I've had countless experiences in various ways of listening, mindset is 14 different things. It's intentions, attention, will, awareness, curiosity, 
presence of the mind, logic, discernment, reasoning, intuition, imagination, inspiration. Also, passion and belief can be brought here. So the mindset is what we bring to any situation that we are dealing with. And we use different aspects of the mindset, different parameters to various levels of degrees and, and strengths and weaknesses, whether you're taking a walk in nature, you're reading a book, you're watching a film, you're meditating, um, you're listening to music, you're playing music. The mindset is used differently, but at the end, this is how we perceive and live through an experience where the I, the one that labels, is informed tremendously by the experience or being affected negatively. It depends on the quality of the experience. Attention is needed in many aspects. So when you redirect the, the, the specific aspect of the mindset, mindset, especially intentions, attention, will, awareness, and curiosity, uh, will is, is needed. Then we are inviting music into affecting us. In your case, you go there with the intention to do that, and you eventually start to cry. Why? Well, music you're listening to, the music that they're playing is selected uh, with the purpose, which is to move you, to take you inwards, to take you into a transcendental, meditative, contemplative state, to move your emotions. Music that you listen to has a specific kind of ethos. Ethos in ancient Greek, um, which is a word used in English, means uh, distinguishing quality, the personality, the character, the allure of the song. And this ethos, when you listen to it, invited in with attention, it creates pathos, which is a level of reality. And that's how music affects us. If you are in a setting where all of this is happening acoustically, your body is also perceiving the sound, the vibration, and not only your ears. If you are using your stereo headphones or speakers on your stereo, your body perceives very minimally whatever is being captured on the recording. And there are many aspects and, and parameters in, in the recording that would make sound degrade. The microphones used, how it's being recorded, digital or analog, what kind of sampling rate and, and all of this, and how you're playing it back and what kind of quality, preamp, amp, speakers, interconnect cable, CD player, or turntable. So it's very, very complex. But at the end, you don't get fully what you can perceive and experience in an acoustical setting. So it's all of these things are affecting you to move you, to move you into a state of being. Now, in shamanic societies, they tell you that's the, the spirit of the song. In a particular case, like where they use the ikaros in, in ayahuasca ceremonies, which are the ayahuasca songs, I'm talking about the very same aspect is the Ikaro does not have a spirit. Spirit is a very nebulous word, has 25 different definitions. Can confuse just about anybody. Can even mean hard liquors. <laughs> so, and, and people use it flippantly, unfortunately, uh, which means that it's going to mean something else, depending on what the person is thinking, you know, giving definition to that word spirit. Can mean disembodied soul. It can mean attitude and ethos and many different things. So, but in this case, uh, the, the ethos, which is what shamanic society is considered to be spirit, affects you, whether you are on uh, sacrament or not. If you are on sacrament, all the better. You're knocking your, your, your mind off a of baseline uh, reality, and you're being affected. Your brain is perceiving reality outside of the default mode network.
So sound is what does the work through the sacrament, and that's what I'm realizing. And there are many, many things to state to support this. But uh, if no shamanic ceremony happens without music or sound, but there are many people who work with only sound and music that is telling us something. That music at the end is about moving your emotions to, emotions to a different level, revibrating you into being, revamping your emotions, uh, empowering you with a greater capacity to feel things, whether things connected to compassion, love, forgiveness, empathy, gratitude uh, in a healing setting. Um, to shake off the flakes of everyday life, to widen the spectrum, to, to bring you back to um, factory uh, presets, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I, I had the um, great pleasure of sitting with ayahuasca for, for many days in Costa Rica. And one of the, the most powerful parts of those experiences was the music. And... Huh? You know, sitting around afterwards and and having our debrief with everybody, there was such mixed emotion about the music. For some yeah. people, they found it really, really challenging. Nearly, they 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 hated the experience that some of the music would would elicit, because it would take them helped take them on a journey in which perhaps they weren't ready to go on. <laughs> but the music sort of what they would say is the music took them whether they liked it or not <laughs> on that journey and it's 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 amazing in those ceremony in those ceremonies that the music has this it's like a viscosity it's it's thick it's resonant it's 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 yeah you have a deep appreciation for how music can help guide us in those journeys and that's something that i'll, I'll never forget and the icarus are, are, are beautiful tell me a little bit about um you mentioned earlier that the future of health will be around music or could be around music because yeah. i i i remember going to a spiritual workshop yeah, nearly 30 years ago and they said the future of of healing will be around frequency and sound or yeah. as well as light so take us on that journey please yes um it is it is the same sound music uh frequencies uh because the whole universe is in a vibrational state and that's something we are we have plenty of evidence with quantum physics that there's nothing solid. Uh, years ago, we used to think the atom is the tiniest thing and it's the, the one thing that's solid, that, that the inception of the material world. But there's no atom. The, I mean, the atom is there, but it's not solid. There are many, many different particles within the atom and it's just energy. There's nothing solid. It's packets of information, if you will. So you would expect this word that we live in that's not really what it is that there's nothing solid this computer screen seems to be there but it's actually not there somehow there's an agreement it's consensual reality means that there's an agreement that a tree is a tree a car is a car it's a solid thing but when you go into the subatomic level of uh, reality it's not it shouldn't amount to all of this it's energy so it's um it's understandable that music 
and its form is vibration frequency can affect everything um music can be a destructive force nikola tesla said give me the earth uh, earth's prime resonant frequency and i can break it in many parts so sound can be destructive you've probably seen some videos or heard about people breaking a wine glass with uh, their voice you can do that anyone can can do that if you hit it and get that note that's the prime resonant frequency and if you sing it very loud very close to it you need to wear goggles though it, it breaks there are many youtube videos even where the kids doing that assuming that the glass is not so, so thick and um so basically um sound can change many things in a positive and negative way oh, already sound is being used to do a variety of different and things to thin out the blood-brain barrier that's the most secure barrier in the body to allow people with ALS and Parkinson's disease and uh, um, multiple sclerosis to receive more uh, molecules from the medications that they take because that the blood-brain barrier uh, blocks a lot of them and people uh, with these uh, diseases would only get up to 5%. Sound um, can kill cancer cells. There's a TED talk that people can watch by Anthony Holland. It's called Shattering um, Cancer Cells with Resonant Frequencies. Um, so there's a variety Well, look at what we can do with ultrasound with pregnant women, giving you the image. Sound can be used as a male contraception. Sound, lithotripsy in, in breaking kidney stones. This is something that existed since the 80s. Uh, you can focus on the kidney stones without cutting the person and you can break them inside the kidney without um, causing harm to the tissue sound now can clear out the amyloid plaque that can obstruct um, neurons from uh, communicating with each other and you can give people with dementia their memories back so this is what we know and there's more and more studies but unfortunately there isn't so much support uh, financially to these studies why? Because that is not good for Big Pharma. Big Pharma relies on selling you something. And this something, pharmaceutical, I mean, Western medicine is great on many levels when it comes to diagnosis and uh, surgeries and using the machines. Uh, the one thing that needs a lot of amelioration and, and revamping is the pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, they're band-aids for the most part. They can be necessary and save lives, but for the most part, they address symptoms and not causes. We're realizing that with sound, and when I say sound involved in these things that I stated before, it's ultrasound, sound above 100,000 hertz, which is 100 kilohertz. So our hearing is limited to 20 kilohertz, that's 20,000 hertz. So bats and cats, dogs, whales can hear far beyond the threshold of our hearing. So we're talking about frequencies that are way above um, our threshold, not stuff one can play on a gong or on instruments, like the instruments used in what people call sound healing. I call sound meditation. I personally don't like sound healing because it's disempowering. It's not just word to what's truly going on. There's no active participation in the word. Words create reality. People think that the sound is healing them without them having to do anything, or the sound healer is healing them. So it's nebulous. Sound meditation invites you to do something, it means you're paying attention.
So, uh, and this is why also we are being drawn, consciousness is being drawn to the working of sound. And now uh, this sound therapy, sound practice, sound meditation, sound journey, sound healing, whatever one wants to call it, are like the new yoga, at least in the States, but they're happening everywhere in the world. So many people are starting to buy and play gongs, crystal balls, uh, Himalayan singing bowls and didgeridoos, right? Anywhere you are in the world, people play these instruments that emit harmonic overtones to clearly audible level. We can talk about this later if you want, whether the Aborigines of Australia or, you know, overtone singing in Central Asia and different parts of Asia, um, playing gongs, singing bowls, discs, bells, chimes, harmoniums, didgeridoos, shruti boxes, and shakers, rattle, you name it. There's instruments that create buzzing. When you hear the harmonics, which is, I'm sorry, I'm modulated to something else because everything is really interconnected when you talk about sound. Um, there's so much to cover and so much exciting stuff, but they're all interconnected. When, when we work with sound as practitioners, we use instruments that emit these harmonics, that system that gives us the tone color the the timbre that's the difference between your voice and my voice the difference between a note played on a flute and the same register note played on a ukulele oboe or piano the difference in the sound when the frequency is the same is the tone color and that is based on the shape of the instrument the size of the instrument and the material that the instrument is made of in the case of our voices it's uh, the size of the buccal cavity the space between the vocal cords and the lips. Different conditions can create different tone colors, and that's how your voice is different than mine. Bigger tongue, smaller tongue, higher hard palate, smaller soft palate, narrower throat, teeth bigger, all of these things create the right acoustical space. That when the buzzing from the vocal cords is amplified, is amplified with specific acoustics based on the shape and the size, and the material that is made, you know, flesh, mostly flesh and teeth. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.